Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Hi, everybody. Hope you're doing great. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching the video, if you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, do me a favor, smash the like button and consider subscribing. Also, if you want to support the channel through a membership or a Patreon subscription, it's only $1.99 a month and I do provide private videos for those people. Now, let's dig in. You likely already know that Judge John Judge declined to dismiss Brian Koberger's indictment last week. Koberger was indicted when a grand jury heard the evidence against him in May and decided there was probable cause to charge the criminology student with the murders of the four University of Idaho students, Kaylee Gonzalez, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Zana Kernodal. Koberger's defense lawyers tried everything in their power to get their client's indictment tossed out and the charges dismissed. But the judge ruled against them and said no. The indictment stands and your client is going to trial. Judge Judge also ruled that a pool camera may be in the courtroom for court proceedings. A pool camera means one camera shared by multiple media outlets. So we are getting cameras and I, for one, am rather excited about this. Well, Judge John Judge just made another ruling and that is that Koberger and his defense lawyers will now have access to some details about how investigators used investigative genetic genealogy, or what's referred to as IgG, to indict Koberger for the crime. This is being called a minor victory for Koberger and his defense team. A 32-page court document was released today, and it discusses the judge's ruling about the FBI's use of IgG to connect the mystery touch DNA that was found on the K-bar sheath at the crime scene to Brian Koberger. If anyone doesn't know what a sheath is, it's a leather case that you put a sharp object into to keep yourself from getting cut and to keep the object secure and keep it on your belt. I'm going to now share sections of this document with you so that you understand what the court is saying. Some of the information you may already know because part of the document sums up how cops came to see Brian Koberger as a suspect in the Moscow, Idaho case. I'll try to stick to only the most pertinent details so as not to bore you. The document says that the FBI constructed a family tree of individuals whose DNA matched the DNA found on the sheath. The FBI then sent local law enforcement a tip to investigate Brian Koberger. The document says that nothing about law enforcement's use of IgG was used to obtain the arrest warrant for Koberger or to obtain the search warrant for his DNA. And the state has said that the IgG information will not be used at trial. So the court, which is basically Judge John Judge, and oh la la, what a judge he is, finds that the defense is likely entitled to see at least some of the information from the IgG investigation, even if it may ultimately be found to have no relevance to Koberger's defense. However, the court also says that because it has not seen exactly what information pertaining to the use of IgG is available, 
It cannot say precisely what should and should not be disclosed at this time. Because of this uncertainty, the court grants the state's request for an in-camera review of the IgG info. After such a review, the court will enter the appropriate discovery and protective orders. Discovery orders would be orders saying which of the IgG evidence must be shared with the defense, and the protective orders would say which of the IgG evidence and information must be kept hidden and not be shared with the defense or with the public. So the court filing goes on to describe how the single-source DNA from the K-bar sheath was submitted to what's called a short tandem repeat, or STR, analysis. This analysis looked at 20 regions within the human DNA, and it allows law enforcement to make a direct comparison between two STR DNA profiles. The FBI then submitted the DNA profile to the combined DNA index system known as CODIS. No match was found. Meanwhile, the investigators continued looking at evidence, and this is when they received video footage of a white sedan that was seen in the area of the crime scene around the time the crime went down. The FBI identified the sedan as a 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra, but later indicated it could be a 2011 to 2016 Hyundai Elantra. Then, a white 2015 Hyundai Elantra was located in Pullman, Washington, and it was registered to Brian Cohen a guy with bushy eyebrows. The state alleges that with this information, law enforcement determined that Koberger's physical description matched that given to investigators by surviving roommate Dylan Mortensen. Bushy eyebrows. They also found that the travels of Koberger's cell phone were consistent with that of the white Elantra in the early morning hours of November 13th, 2022, the morning of the crime. Based on this information, Information. The cops believed Koberger to be the driver of the white Elantra seen on video surveillance around the King Road residence at the time of the murder. Law enforcement also obtained Koberger's cell phone records prior to the crime, and they found that his cell phone used cell towers in the area of the crime scene house on at least 12 occasions prior to November 13th of 2022. Then on December 27, 2022, Pennsylvania agents recovered trash from the Koberger family residence in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. That evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. On December 28, 2022, the Idaho State Lab reported that a DNA profile obtained from the trash and the DNA profile from the leather sheath identified a male as not being excluded as the biological father of suspect Brian Koberger. So the item of trash had Brian's father's DNA on it and his his DNA showed that he was the biological father of the person whose DNA was found on the snap of the leather sheath at the crime scene. Then, on December 30th, Koberger was arrested and charged. Then, a search warrant for Koberger's DNA was issued on January 5th of 2023. Remember, at this point, the cops had only matched the DNA on the leather sheath to Koberger's father. They hadn't made a direct match yet 
trip to Brian Koberger. This is when an STR DNA comparison was done between the DNA on the sheath and Brian Koberger's DNA. The comparison showed a statistical match specifically the STR profile is at least 5.37 octillion times a lot more likely to be seen if Brian Koberger is the source than if an unrelated individual randomly selected from the general population is the source. Then, on June 16th of 2023, the state filed a motion for a protective order. In that motion, the state brings to light law enforcement's use of IgG to find a lead after the STR profile from the sheath did not return a matching CODIS. The document says that the court doesn't know exactly when law enforcement employed the use of IgG. The document then describes what IgG is. It talks about how consumer genetics has exploded, driven by the second most popular hobby in the United States, genealogy. I didn't know that, did you? The hobby has been co-opted by law enforcement to solve cold cases by linking crime scene DNA with the DNA of a suspect's relative, which is contained in a direct-to-consumer genetic database. The relative's genetic data acts as a silent witness or genetic informant wordlessly guiding cops to a handful of potential suspects. I love that. Any criminal who left his or her DNA at a crime 20 or 30 years ago, watch out, they are coming for you. It's only a matter of time. Now, I'm going to skip some of the information in the motion because it goes into great detail about IgG, which I've covered in earlier videos about this case. You can look in the playlist to find those. So let me now skip to where it says this. The leading consumer genetic companies, 23andMe and Ancestry, allow consumers to download Download their raw genetic data in plain text format, which can then be uploaded to third-party websites. These websites provide a range of additional services, including interpreting the clinical relevance of mutation and allowing individuals to expand the reach of their genealogical search. Up to 62% of direct-to-consumer customers will upload their genetic data to third-party websites for free or for a small fee. One one such third-party website is GED Match or GED Match, an open access service that is free for the most basic searches. GED Match can connect with even more distant relatives who used different testing services like Family Tree DNA or MyHeritage. They do so by uploading their SNP profile generated elsewhere into GEDmat. Now, an SMP profile means a single nucleotide polymorphism, and each SMP represents a difference in a single DNA building block. Hope that makes sense to you. It does to me to some extent, Mm, but not entirely. The raw SMP data is analyzed using a simple algorithm, and the site then produces a list of likely relatives automatically, without the need to share any underlying genetic information with the putative relative. Oh boy, putative, okay? This is an adjective, and it means generally considered or reputed to be. So here it means 
The site then produces a list of likely relatives automatically without the need to share any underlying genetic info with the reputed relative or relatives. New word putative. I dare you to use that in your conversation tonight at dinner. Because the identity of the person from whom the crime scene sample came is often unknown, law enforcement uses a false name, like John Doe, for example, and then submits the DNA profile to GEDmatch. Then, when their John Doe matches someone in the database, they use genealogical data to determine a common ancestor who might be a great-grandfather, or grandmother. They then triangulate other data, such as birth, voting, and military records, to build out the pedigrees from that common ancestor, identifying all of the potential individuals who may be suspects. As we each have about 1,000 fourth cousins and 5,000 fifth cousins, depending on the degree of relation, this process can be quite time-consuming. Guys, let me interject here that this is probably why the authorities did not submit the three mystery male DNA samples found inside and outside the crime scene house to this IgG process. Once they made the match to Koberger, and when they saw all the other evidence tying him to the crime scene at the hour of the crime, they likely saw no reason to test those other samples and to go through this whole long and likely expensive process. In the forensic genetic research community, this methodology is referred to as long-range familial searches or LRFS. Sometimes law enforcement refers to this as forensic genetic genealogy or FGG. Oy vey with all these acronyms. The document goes on to say that the use of databases like GEDmat does not necessarily lead to a single individual as a potential suspect. The determination of who is or who is not a relative is subjective and is based on the length of DNA shared between two individuals. The comparisons in such a database do not yield an identification of someone identical to the uploaded SMP data. Rather, it would identify possible relatives who might be in the database. And once a putative relative has been identified, a family tree is created, working backwards to grandparents and possible great-grandparents. The family tree is then built down. The construction of these family trees is highly subjective and is based on the use of public records such as marriage and birth certificates. In some instances, contacting individuals for further family information, this process leads to a pool of individuals rather than one specific individual. So in the Koberger case, investigators used IgG to begin the process of developing a lead to the individual who left touch DNA on the K-bar sheath. The court filing then says that there is no precedent in Idaho for such matters, so it then references several cases from other jurisdictions that deal with DNA 
and genetic genealogy. I'm not going to review those cases. I'll leave a link to this entire 32-page court order so that if you want to read the whole thing, you can. Let's jump to what Judge John Judge decided after looking at all this information and all these other cases. Basically, Judge Judge explained that the state is arguing that IgG info is not material to the preparation of the defense's case because the defendant, Koberger, is charged with killing four people, not with being related to a particular person. The mere fact that uploading the completed SMP profile of the mystery DNA found on the sheath onto a publicly available genetic genealogy service led law enforcement to relatives of Brian Koberger does not affect the strength of the evidence against Koberger. The family tree built by the FBI merely pointed cops to Koberger, and law enforcement followed that lead to develop the substantive evidence of guilt that was used for his arrest and that will be used at his trial. The state contends the only relevant DNA evidence is the DNA found on the sheath and the DNA taken directly from Brian Koberger because those DNA profiles can be directly compared, and according to the state, they can be matched. The defense, on the other hand, argues that the IgG info sought is material to the preparation of the defense because the defense must have an opportunity to challenge how the IgG profile was created and how many people the FBI chose to ignore during the investigation. The defense believes the possibility of other relatives who might be similar to Brian Koberger is extremely important to the defense in this case. Watch out any cousins of Brian Koberger. The defense sounds like they're going to try to look at you a little more closely. Cousin Kevin, you better get your documents in order. The defense also feels that the timing and steps used may be extremely important to Koberger's defense. The defense is saying that without access to the actual genetic genealogy search methods and results, it is impossible for their qualified experts to address these issues. For the judge, Koberger's defense team has presented enough evidence to meet the, quote, low threshold required to show at least some of the IgG information sought is material to the preparation of the defense, meaning it is important evidence that the defense needs to prepare its defense of Brian Koberger. So Judge Judd will first look at all the IgG-related evidence in possession of the Latah County Prosecutor's Office and the FBI. Only after that will he determine what should and should not be shared with the defense. After the judge's review, the court, meaning the judge, will enter the appropriate discovery and protective order. Basically, the judge will then file motions for whichever of the IgG evidence and info he believes should be shared with the defense, and he will also then file protective orders for whichever IgG evidence and information needs to be hidden from the defense and from the public. So that is where things stand at the moment. We made a little bit of a step forward, but we're still so far from a trial. I hope this helped, and I'll see you next time on Bed Crime Stories.